Well, the contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only, not to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, the kynurenine pathway. Well, we're talking biochemistry today. Not just that, but B6 and NAD. Should I be taking that? I don't know. Is your brain overexcited? Always. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. When was the last time you went sledding? Ooh, childhood? Wow. Well, I've lived in the South for like 25 years. Oh, so when was the last time you rode a gator? (laughs) Hello. Hey, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you? Not riding a gator. What, is that not a thing? I don't think so. Not yet, at least. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. And thank you to everyone for joining us here on this show called The Lab Report, where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and it's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. That's right. And welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. And hopefully you would have gone to iTunes or Spotify and subscribed to our show, maybe rate, review, leave us some stars there. Yeah, and if you have additional feedback, you can send that feedback to podcast at gdx.net. Thanks for the email, Joe. You know, Joe's a little bit angry with you. He had a lot to say to you. Look. You've been I'm, riding them pretty hard. I, look, I mean, sometimes you just got to give someone the real talk about <laughs> the leaves in their yard. You know, it's January. Well. It's January, Joe. Well, I've seen your yard, so I'm going to start calling you Joe. <laughs> <laughs> look, there's a little bit of Joe in all of us, but I've, I've rectified that situation. All right. Well, today we have a pretty big episode of biochemistry, so maybe get your coffee before we start this, Michael. Got my coffee, got my research papers here, got the biochemistry book open in front of me. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a good episode of the lab report is about to start sometime. Well, no time like the present. Agreed. We're going to talk about the kynurenine pathway today. This is super exciting. and it? it Yeah, here's the thing. Okay. It may sound right up front like, what... Right. That might be your reaction right now. You That's might be my saying, reaction. What? <laughs> but the truth is, this is actually really important. It's something that can be evaluated. There's tons of research into this pathway and its clinical relevance to needs for vitamin B6, NAD, inflammation, oxidative stress, infection, a whole host of different things. Those sound important? Oxidative stress, inflammation? You excited about that? Mm. Well, just you wait, because by the end of this, Mm -hmm. your hair is going to be on fire. (laughs) Well, I do know that this pathway is very important, and I know that biochemistry gets a little bit heavy for people, so hopefully we can break this down and make it easy to digest. We'll tell you how to measure it, why you should care, and what to do about it. Perfect. This sounds like a a good start. Well, let's start from the very, very beginning, Michael. We're going to bring it back. The very beginning? Like, the very beginning? No, just like why why we're talking about the kynurenine pathway and where it starts. It starts with tryptophan. We know tryptophan. Tryptophan is an amino acid, right? You think about the turkey, but now we we learned Mm -hmm. pork, (laughs) right? Who knew? Pork, so even higher than tryptophan. We talked about that Thanksgiving episode. Right, and so when you eat tryptophan in your diet, it gets absorbed, and now it has to be broken down, but it travels around in your circulation bound, albumin, and it can be transported into your brain in a free form, 
But either way, it needs to be metabolized and broken down. And that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And a couple interesting things you just brought up, right? Because digestion, absorption, mm -hmm. that's going to be important right. to get tryptophan. Then it floats around in your circulation, like you said, and then it enters the brain. And there's some hiccups there, even in getting into the brain, right? So we talk about this thing called the transporter or the blood-brain barrier. And it's certain things can only get through to the brain. And tryptophan has to go through a transport system to get into the brain. Okay, so why do we care about it getting into the brain? Oh, well, why do we care? Because tryptophan is a precursor for a specific neurotransmitter called serotonin. Yeah, you may have heard of serotonin, right? It's mm -hmm. a pretty prominent neurotransmitter. We talk about it a lot. Serotonin selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, are used for mood disorder. It plays a huge role in mood, and so it's uh, very important. But there's a little-known pathway that is part of tryptophan metabolism that is not related to serotonin. Okay, so hold up. Yeah. You're telling me that tryptophan can take one pathway to make serotonin, which is all well and good and great. Yeah. But it can also take this kynurenine pathway to metabolize differently. Why would it want to even do that? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. It's the million-dollar question. You can give me a million dollars? Uh, no. Oh. But I'll answer your question. Okay. So at the end of the yellow brick road of the kynurenine pathway, we've got NAD. Whoa. NAD, which is... Nicotinamide adenosine dinucleotide. Oh, man, is NAD important? Hmm. I mean, it is so important. It's used in so as a cofactor in so many different pathways, right? We have NAD, NADH, and this is, this is huge. Okay, so if tryptophan can take two different pathways to metabolize. Yeah, it's right? like two so, different highways. Yeah, so I'm like tryptophan at, at the fork in the road, right? One way, I can make serotonin. The other way, I'm going to make NAD, which is wicked important. How do you know which way to go? How does tryptophan know which way to go? That's a great question, and sort of a demonstration of the body's infinite wisdom, just to take it meta for you. Meta? Yeah, you know, like the big picture, like the uh, whole shebang, the, the, you know, the philosophical underpinnings. All right. So... Ultimately, the body does this based on need. Do you need NAD or do you not? Because NAD is a negative feedback system or a positive feedback system on the kynurenine pathway. The, the more you need, the more upregulation of this pathway you're going to fuel to create it. There are some conditions, however, that actually push it this way. Usually they're oh, yeah. inflammatory conditions, right? Oxidative stress as well, right? So we think about whether there's interferon gamma around. And this is going to be related to inflammation as well as infection. We tend to see an upregulation in this kynurenine pathway from tryptophan when there's some sort of infection going on. Okay, so we said inflammation, we said infection, but there's a lot of other very significant diseases and clinical pathologies that upregulate tryptophan's route down the kynurenine pathway. And those include things like neurologic disorders, affective disorders like schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, autoimmune diseases, cardiovascular disease, malignancy. Wow. So, you know, a lot of these conditions can push it down this pathway. Which begs the question, if it's things like oxidative stress and inflammation mm -hmm. that are causing, that are actually acting on the enzymes to push it down this alternate route, as you said? Yep. Is it those things that are also underpinning the clinical manifestations or is it actually something else? So your point is like chicken or the egg kind of a thing. Which we solved. <laughs> you always solve that. But the question then becomes, is it the kind of pathway that's causing it? 
in, in general? Or yeah. is it the disease that's pushing things down kind your nine? Yeah, it's essentially correlation does not equal causation. And what is the true root dysfunction? Is it the mm -hmm. change in the metabolic pathway that's ultimately creating the clinical manifestation and the disease? Or is it the underlying oxidative stress that's causing the biochemical shift and the clinical manifestation? Okay, so if we jump into this specific pathway in the biochemistry here. Let's do it. We know that tryptophan is going to take this pathway in those all of those inflammatory conditions, yeah. right? With an end goal of making NAD, which you said is a very important cofactor yeah. all over your body. Yeah. Well, along that pathway, there are a lot of steps and several different metabolites, but we're going to focus on just two of them that we know to be very clinically important. Oh, yeah. It's a harrowing path down the kindurinine <laughs> pathway. Lots of speed bumps. And, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, hopefully you make it to NAD, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like that old game, Frogger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, first you got to cross the highway. There's all these cars. Mm, harrowing, just, for sure. That's just the first part. And then you got to, like, jump from log to log. Remember this? Yeah. You just ringing any of bells? Of course. Dodge the alligators, just to bring it full circle. Wow. So in Frogger's journey across the street, yeah. one of the byproducts of this pathway is something called kynurenic acid. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really important metabolite. It's a really interesting metabolite as well. Um, so what happens is tryptophan takes a couple steps and it turns into kynurenine. And then if it can't go any further down the pathway, it shunts off into kynurenic acid. And so kynurenic acid is sort of a marker of how well this kynurenine pathway is flowing. It's one of, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a, also a marker for vitamin B6 needs. Why would, that, why would that be, Patty? Yeah, because the step that is needed to get kynurenine down further requires B6. And all of these enzymes are very B6 dependent. So if they're functionally insufficient in B6, it's going to back up the pathway and therefore make kynurenic acid. That's right. you got a traffic jam. So a lot of cars are taking the off-ramp. One of the off-ramps is kynurenic acid, which means it's a functional marker for vitamin B6, right? Mm -hmm. And not only that, it's got its own action in the central nervous system. Yeah, in fact, it's been found to have some sedative and anticonvulsant effects in the brain. Oh, interesting. And how does it do that? Well, you know it, what I assume? What? I assume it works on the NMDA receptor. That's right. That's right. And in the brain, NMDA receptors, it stands for n methyl d Aspartate receptor. All right. Let's, let's take a breath because we're dropping a lot of words. We got kynurenine. We got NMDA. This is getting thick. Yeah. We're dropping a lot of fat knowledge on people. Mm. So, but it, this is important, right? Right. We should, we talk about things like glutamate and how glutamate's excitatory, like MSG. This is why MSG is bad. And it's all because of the way it interacts with NMDA. Okay, so kynurenic acid then yeah. is neuroprotective and calming. Right, because it's an antagonist to the NMDA receptor. Okay, so kynurenic acid has some important functions then. Yeah, and not only does it have important functions, as we mentioned, it's an indicator of needs for vitamin B6. And that's just one bump hmm. along the way. Frogger's got a long way to go. To NAD. Well, what's another bump along that road, Michael? The very next step, right? The next step is B6 dependent, and so if there's not enough B6 around, you get you get another group of uh, analytes going off the off-ramp, and it turns into xanthorenic acid. Yeah, and there's some interesting literature around xanthorenic acid being so B6 dependent. In fact, if you measure urinary xanthorenic acid and then give B6, those levels go down. 
Okay, so just to recap, all right, we've got kynurenic acid and quinolinic acid. Okay. We can measure those, and both of those are a functional indicator of needs for vitamin B6. Mm-hmm. And kynurenic acid actually has some neuroprotective effects all by itself, too. Okay, so that, we're not even done with this pathway yet. Keep oh, going. What's coming next, Michael? Well, what's coming next is you got a couple steps, but uh, it really, I think one of the big ones is an organic acid called quinolinic acid. Ooh, yeah, this is the direct precursor to NAD in that path. It's the step before NAD. It's like right there, I you're almost, almost to NAD. Whoops, you got quinolinic acid. Well, why in the world do we care about quinolinic acid? Patty, Huh? let me let you in on a little secret here. Ooh. Quinolinic acid, it's not good. Oh, I'm familiar. It's the opposite of good. It's a bad actor. Yeah. Patty, tell me all about the bad things that quinolinic acid is associated with. Well, first of all, in the brain, it also acts on the NMDA receptors. Fascinating. But it's the glutamate part. Oh, the neuroexcitatory part. So it's kind of like the opposite of kynurenic acid. Yep. And under inflammatory conditions in the brain, macrophages infiltrate. And they're a pretty major source of quinolinic acid production themselves. And when it starts to reach really high levels, that toxic accumulation of quinolinic acid within the cells kills them. Yeah, and neuronal cell death is never a good thing. Agreed. I mean, dead brain cells. That's what that means. (laughs) So we've got kynurenic acid, which is good. Mm-hmm. We've got quinolinic acid, which is bad, mm-hmm. and they sort of compete with each other in their roles. So, you see where I'm going here? Why not look at the ratio between the two? Well, because of the inflammatory component of quinolinic and the potentially protective role of kynurenic, a lot of labs measure this ratio, kynurenic acid to quinolinic acid, to kind of get a measure of disturbed kynurenine pathway metabolism. And... There is some literature regarding a low kynurenic quinolinic ratio being associated with neurotoxicity and major dis- depressive disorder. Depression and dead brain cells. That's right. You know, those conditions are certainly important. I also have noticed, and I, I don't know whether this is in the literature, but I've noticed that it tends to be on the low side in things like neuropathic pain and maybe even fibromyalgia as well. Well, we see that clinically on the phone too. Yeah. Okay, so we got empiric ad- evidence, right? That's some form of evidence. True. And, you know, we'll, we'll sort of time will tell on whether that bears out. Um, but, you know, I also think about serotonin steel. Whoa. Wait a minute. That is not even a thing. That's not even a term. What are you talking about? I, not, I, I listen, said it. Listen. And there are words. I put them together. Listen, Michael, when my team and I write all the content for the organic acids, uh-huh. we scour literature around things like this. And I have never seen the term serotonin steel. I think you're making it up. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, like just, just <laughs> because you haven't seen it in the literature doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's not a thing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure gravity wasn't a thing in the literature before Newton thought of it. Oh, wait. So sure not, electricity you, wasn't in the literature be- until Benjamin Franklin discovered it. Are you co- now comparing yourself to some of these great ad- inventors in our in our world, and our life? All I'm saying is we should consider serotonin steel. Okay, let's hear you wax poetic about this so-called serotonin steel. Sometimes literature is inconclusive. That's right. No one really seems to know the answers. Uh-huh. But we're lucky because we have someone who always has an answer, and that's Michael Chapman. What? He's going to offer us his logical, 
speculation. I am? Yeah. I mean, come on. That's that's not very fair. Like, I, what? I don't always have an answer. You're making me sound oh, like no. a total know-it-all. No. It's egomaniacal. No. Like, that's, that's, that's what that sounds like. It's flattering. I'm trying to flatter you to tell you that we look to you for answers. But that's the, I don't think that's how that comes across. Okay, well, back to serotonin steel. <sighs> All right. So here's the deal. Tryptophan can go either towards serotonin or it can go down this kynurenine pathway to make NAD or get hung up somewhere in there, as we've been talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And tryptophan is not a very abundant amino acid. It's actually one of the least, um, we have the least amount of tryptophan compared to the amino acid. So there's a limited supply. And we we already talked about how it's difficult to get it across the blood-brain barrier into the brain, right? So you've got a limited supply of tryptophan and it's got to go one of two directions. And we said we're going to shunt tryptophan into the kynurenine pathway in the presence of oxidative stress, inflammation, and infection, and all these other things. Well, what if by doing so, you're actually lowering the amount of tryptophan available to make serotonin? So when we're talking about things like depression or or some of these other neuropsychiatric ailments, might it be that in the presence of oxidative stress, inflammation, it's actually because everything's being shunted to the kynurenine pathway and not making serotonin. So there you have it, tryptophan being stolen away from serotonin, the serotonin steal. Hmm. You know, as you were speaking, I was following along, thinking of all the logical speculations you have, this one made the most sense to me mm. on a level that made me go back to PubMed while you were speaking in Google Scholar to really see if I could find something on this. And I did find it. Oh, it is. The serotonin steel is in the literature. Oh, no, no. It's there. Uh-huh. You just have the name wrong. It's called the tryptophan steel. And if you can consider that at the end of this, you said, see, tryptophan being stolen away. It's in the literature, but it's called the tryptophan steel. Not the serotonin steel. Hmm. But the concept is right. Totally. Hmm. Well, the farmer's almanac is a terrible name, too. Yeah. You geniuses. Bad with names. Okay, so we have spent this entire episode talking about the importance clinically of the kynurenine pathway. Right. And we talked about some of the hiccups along the way, like xanthurinic acid, quinolinic acid, yeah. kynurenic acid. Yeah. We work at Genova, Michael. Does Genova measure any of these things? It just so happens mm-hmm. that these things that you just mentioned, kynurenic acid, quinolinic acid, those are organic acids. Mm. And as you are probably familiar with, Genova does test organic acids on multiple evaluations, including the Nutrival profile, the Metabolomics Plus, the Metabolic Analysis profile, Um, anywhere you find organic acids, you are going to find these kynurenine metabolites. And that's also important because clinicians use the organic acids to speak to vitamin B needs, Mm -hmm. for example, without realizing that each one of those has specific direct clinical implications. Yeah. Gives you a whole other layer, a different facet of how to interpret the test. Well, Patty, you know what time it is? Hmm. Do you know what time it is? Uh Uh-oh. Why do you do this? I love this one. It sounds like it sounds like Sylvanessa or something. Oh my god. It's terrible. It's great. Terrible. Alright, I've got a question for you, Patty. 
Okay. We've been talking about tryptophan and the kynurenine and metabolites. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a marker for a serotonin metabolite. And since we've been talking about serotonin steel, totally uh, not a then thing. What, what about this marker for serotonin? Wow. Well, on this neurotransmitter metabolite section of the organic acids page, one of the markers is something called 5-hydroxyindolacetic acid. Yeah. It is a downstream metabolite of serotonin. And a common question we get when it comes to that section is, so we're looking at these downstream metabolites. Can we make a direct correlation to what's going on in someone's brain? And the answer is no. Well, but I want to evaluate serotonin steel. <laughs> this is not the place for that. This 5-hydroxyindolacetic acid can be elevated in a lot of things. We're measuring those organic acids to look for downstream metabolites and insufficiencies in vitamin and nutrient cofactors. The problem is that some of these are also made peripherally. So for example, serotonin, most of our serotonin is made in the gut by the enterochromaffin cells. So high levels of 5-hydroxyindolacetic acid could be in the face of dysbiosis. It could be in the face of someone who's on an SSRI, for example. So you can't really hang your hat on that to make the diagnosis of whatever this serotonin steel, also known as tryptophan steel, is. But the concept is right. Totally. Next time on The Lab Report, the estrogen awakening response. (laughs) What? Yet again, that is not a thing. Stop making things up. But the concept is right. Totally. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Estrogen awakening response. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What in the world? What I mean, what do you th- hot flashes? That's from... Night sweats? That's estrogen deficiency. Yeah, again, right. Estrogen, yet, it's, estrogen is causing an awakening response. Yet again, you're just naming it wrong. But the concept is right. Totally. <laughs>